Welcome back to Storytelling of Unusual Stories podcast. If you're just now tuning in with us and you're brand new to the to the um, channel, we do have an information podcast um, episode about just a little in more in depth about what the stories are, what kind of stories they are, um, why they're told the way they're told, and where they come from, and all of that, as well as inspiration and what to expect from future episodes. We've got head and um, get into the heads up part of the story. Before I tell the story, of course, I always like to tell you kind of what's in the story, just in case you've got a child on the younger side. Um, if this is not your first time listening with us, you know that um, I always say this, you know, while the stories are catered towards children, they're catered towards uh, not very young children, so older children, and some of the stories are, are a little more scary and upsetting than other stories so there's a gradient um, of different ages uh, depending on the story that you listen to. Now the last story I posted was actually not that bad. I think most of the younger side of um, children except for the very very young would not find it scary or upsetting but I still gave a little bit of heads up and so I'm going to do that with this one especially because this one is not like the story that I had um, put up several days ago. This story is, is extremely scary and extremely upsetting to the younger children. And so if you've got a child that's kind of, you're not sure and you're not sure whether or not it would be appropriate, I want you to listen in on this extra well because this is um, one of the most scary and upsetting kinds of stories that I would ever tell. And sadly, I can't sit here and put an age um, stamp on something because, you know, you know your child better than anyone else does. And some people might let the children listen to this at age five and other people might not let them listen to it until age 10, 11, 12, 13. Who knows? And so I just want um, to give you what's in it and let you decide because I believe that is the safest thing to do. So this is, a, is very much a story about dark heroes. Um, there is a very, very dark hero in this story and if you don't know what I mean by that, I'm going to try to give you a few examples. Sadly, there's not a perfect example because there's not many, sadly, dark heroes that are in stories, in um, you know, film, in writings and books and it's very limited so I'm going to try to give you the, the three best examples I can think of off the top of my head. Two of them I know most people in the world probably know, one of them I'm not sure about and sadly the one I'm not sure about that people would know or not is the best example but I'm going to give it anyway because it is the best example. So first example, um, Batman is barely barely a dark hero if you can refer to what I mean by that he he's, he's just he's barely I mean it's it's I even struggled to put him in that category but he is technically and so um, maybe a better example the second best example that I have that I can think of off the top of my head is one that hopefully most everyone in the world unless you live under a rock would know about um, Severus from Harry Potter was a pretty good dark hero. You actually did not know that he was a hero until the very end, which just proves my point. Um, dark heroes are that kind of un very unlikely. Um, they're not happily, happy, bubbly. They're not, you know, full of laughter and light. They are, um, you know, 
pessimistic and angry and defensive and um, they have a literal darkness about them, not evil, just a literal darkness about them, um, like, a, like a night, very night and spooky energy about them. Um, the best example that I have is, like I said, the one that I don't think a lot of people know about. If you've ever watched The Punisher, The Punisher has a very, very, very good and very strong dark um, hero in it. But even The Punisher cannot match this kind of dark hero that I'm talking about in this, um, in this story. Because it's basically as dark as you possibly can get and still be a hero. And I don't mean that lightly. So if you can imagine that, if you can just imagine that, this story's got a lot of scary, upsetting things in it because of its darkness. Um, and it's also got a lot of sad things in it and it's also got a lot of gore and a fair amount of violence in it. If you're one of those people that enjoy um, stories about mythical creatures, this story is entirely based on a mythical creature and in fact this mythical creature, if you think you know all the mythical creatures out there, if you're a mythical creature nerd, you're probably not going to know this one. I guarantee you. No, I did not make it up. I can actually tell you um, ge geographically where this story came from. Um, I heard it. Um, I, I've got... I'm not... Let me say this before I, I go into it. I'm not... Um, directly, hereditarily related, you know, I'm not directly, but but if you go long enough down the line, I do have a smidgen of it, and there is enough ties that I have been told a few stories, so, um, and, and just a few things in general, so, um, that is a, a clan in Scotland, and the story comes from that clan technically, that's where I heard it from, but I was told that long ago, like hundreds of years ago, many, 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 many clans knew of this creature. And so, um, while it's now, it's pretty much forgotten. Um, I like to think that there are still several clans that know of this creature, even possibly beyond Scotland. And so, Basically, it's a lost, kind of a lost knowledge, and so that is why not many people still know it uh, today. And the only word, the only name for it that I was ever given was in the native tongue. So I apologise, that's the only word I can give it, because that's the only word I was ever told it was. And I believe to honour it, I should not, you know, change the name and try and translate it into English. I believe to honour it, it should stay in its, in its name that the people told the story, you know, the name that they called it. And because this is such an interesting and rare and um, pretty much lost in, in history creature, I do need to give you a little bit of a background of what it is before I go and tell the story. And I do want to make sure that you know the story has never been told before other than being told from me, but the creature is what I was I was I was told about the creature. I was told, just in general, what the creature was. That is what I'm referring to about the story. 
um, that I was told it just uh, this it, story, story I'm telling is not the story I was told it, the story I was told stops at what the creature is and what it does and that is really the only part that I'm that I'm saying that is not a quote new story that has never been told before so I'm going to start about uh, that before I get into the actual story itself. Richardson is a very um, unique creature because it can look a lot of different ways and so you have to go by several things in order to identify it because it has so many different um, shapes and forms to it potentially. Um, they all have sharp teeth, they all have unnatural strength, um, they are protectors that essentially it is said they they're not they, they, they don't arise unless they're needed and so what happens is that they when they're no longer needed they sort of die out and then when they're needed again they, they come back um, the way that they do this is that they can literally quite literally be born out of any womb and instead of hereditary you know and, and species that they're born from dictating what they look like they dictate what they look like and they do this by whatever the soul is whatever whatever the soul is the core of the soul is that is going to reflect exactly what it looks like we joke about it all the time you know we say oh i must be part cat because i do this or i must be part dog because i do this well it's like that but with the richardson it is actually quite literal they are part this and they are part that and it's it's different from a, a chimera which is um made of two or more different literally two more different bodies or two or more different souls or both the Richardson is its own body and its own soul. So one body, one soul, but it literally soul can very often be more than one um, creature. And so its 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 body is going to reflect what its soul is. Richardson can be just one thing also. So if it's if it's only a deer, it's going to look just like a deer, but when it opens its mouth you're going to see these very very sharp teeth and it's going to be a lot lot stronger than your average deer and that is what it's going to set set apart from telling the difference lastly it the, the way that it protects is that it hunts and kills the main threat typically this is a main threat to nature to the forest but it can be a main threat technically to anything that deserves its protection Let's be honest, usually the main threat to things like nature and to anything good happens to be humanity and so usually that is what the Richardson ends up eating. The Richardson is not blind with its killing, it actually is very specific and someone, an individual, has to be evil, has to have done wrong, has to have an ill intent. If it's innocent, it does not matter whether or not it's human, it will not eat an innocent. And for that reason, it's considered a protector. But the only other thing that I was told, and I don't know if this really has any, any real value and not to the listeners, but I guess it's just a bit more information on uh, the creature itself, so I'll tell it. 
Um, the first and second generation um, don't necessarily have red eyes, but third generation is said to both eyes always be red. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is what I was told. First generation meaning that um, you know they they were born out of random species, but second and third generation means it is a Ridgeson born from other Ridgesons. And that brings us to the title of the story finally, after going through a little bit of the background, you can finally get into the story itself. The Ridgeson. In the mid-1980s, a couple was about to have their first child. This couple was a very barbaric and old-fashioned um, in the way that they thought and what they did and what they believed. In fact, if you were to only look at that and not everything that surrounded them, you would think that they were from the 1600s because that is the way that they thought, that very old and Abrahamic thinking. And they were not alone. There was a secret society, very vast in numbers. After the war in World War Two, everybody kind of, with that sort of thinking, went underground. They obtained any kind of job that they could that could give them both immunity or cover their tracks and be in a position where they quite literally have the power over life and death. Doctors, nurses, police, any authoritative figure, an autopsist, a very big one, autopsist, because that is what hid all the rest of it. So, for example, somebody would go into the doctor to try and get well, but if they knew that they were not a part of their, their group, a part of their cult, if you will, they instead further pushed it along to make them die. And then the autopsist would cover it up in the report. These were the kinds of people living in this cult, this, this couple. And so that was their entire life. They were quite secluded from the rest of society that had changed into a much more welcoming and open-minded view. They were racist, they were sexist, they were religiously intolerant, and they believed that anything of magic and any sign of magic was, quote, a sign of the devil. The couple was very excited to bring into the world a child that they thought would be just like them, that they could raise to think and do and believe exactly as they did, to further amplify and multiply their strength and numbers, so that one day they, along countless others, would have enough people that they could come above ground and they wouldn't have to hide any longer. Little did they know that the child that would be born was not at all like them. 
when the child was born, it had teeth, tiny little, barely protruding out the gums, but they were sharp and pointed. With all the resources they had at their disposal, it was very, very easy to get rid of the child and cover it up as a stillborn miscarriage or something of the sort. But this, this was a Ridgison, and you don't get rid of a Ridgison like that. No, you don't. It's not that easy. Yes, he did die. Yes, he did actually die. But the next time the wife got pregnant, she was again pregnant with the same sow, the same Ridgison. Because of their ordeal in the past of the first child, um, the priest had told them that they needed to expand their faith and that they needed to do certain things to test the child before it was ever born. They told um, the mother not to eat any protein, not to eat anything that could grow the child and that could help keep the child strong, especially meat and things like milk that had calcium in it. Things that grew muscle and bone, she was told not to eat. Since the Richardson was not being fed as he should be, he had to pull from her own strength. She found herself feeling very weak towards the end of the pregnancy, weaker than she should. Weaker, much weaker than before. But the Richardson did this merely to survive and nothing more. Had she fed it as she was supposed to, he would not have taken any of her energy. He quite literally was absorbing her blood and her energy in general. She grew anemic and there were days that was hard for her to stand. There was one last test that the priest had told them to do. They went to a special hospital, a Christian hospital, and on the outside it looked like any normal Christian hospital, but on the inside it was anything but, because every single position and every single shift had at least one person involved in the cult. So in every shift, every nurse, every doctor, every anything, there was at least one of them that was a part of the cult. And on some shifts, most of them were part of the cult and very few were not. It was this way on this shift when the baby was born. They were told that they needed to prolong the labour as long as possible. So they gave her a medicine to prolong it far past 24 hours, several hours past 24 hours, that she had been in labour. They held on as long as they possibly could without killing the mother. And when they started to see that the mother was fading, that is the only time that they went and they pulled the child out. By all means, the child should be dead, it should be suffocated, and it should be lifeless. For hours on end, the little baby Hridgerson had tried to shapeshift 
That's something I forgot to mention. Some Richardsons also can shapeshift. And they do this usually to blend in and to stay hidden, to hide who they really are. And of course the Richardson hadn't shown his true form notch even inside the womb. This is one of the only times he was in his true form. He had claws and he had teeth and he was trying his best to tear his way free. But nothing worked. He just simply was too little. All the while he stopped breathing several times and when they finally pulled him out he took in his claws, he took in his teeth, he hid everything but it was not fast enough because there was a red ring around his irises. And the red eyes to nearly everyone in the room except for perhaps one or two signified that he was a demon child and that he needed to be killed. Just as he finally had gotten all the fluid out his lungs, he was breathing normally. He was shot with a lethal dose of anaesthesia. Only one or two in the room were actually celebrating and calling it a miracle. The rest were in on it. The rest wanted the child dead. But this time, the child, though its heart stopped a few times and though it stopped breathing a few times, it did not actually die. This time, nature and the universe itself had given the child an extraordinary amount of protection and thus this time the child did not die. They tried again this time with enough to kill an elephant and the child still did not die. It was weak, it was vulnerable, but it did not die. Seeing that it did not die like it was supposed to, they looked at one another and knew exactly in their little minds what it was. They determined it was not a demon child, it was quite literally a son of the devil himself. Which was actually said to be two different things in the eyes of this cult. Because a demon child is supposed to be very quite easy to get, to get rid of. But the devil's child, those are the ones that live, those are the ones that are said to actually have a piece of the devil himself inside them. Of course this was not a devil child, it was just a Richardson. Soon his eyes shifted back to being a normal colour, but it was too late. At some point, the very arrogant couple blamed the doctors and the nurses for being highly incompetent. And by now, with the several tries of trying to kill it, the few in the room that were not a part of the cult thought it suspicious and they did not want to chance any more suspicion. The doctor warned, It's much easier just to leave it here. If you leave with paperwork, that's a whole different story. Much easier just to leave it here. We'll take care of it. We'll, we'll wait till they're gone.
But wait till nobody look, believes me. This is not something we run across. This is the first time inside that we have. We are very, very competent. We're not doing anything different than we've always done. It's you. You are the problem. Problem here is you don't have enough faith, and the devil is within both of you. Of course, the couple got very, very defensive over this. They argued about whose faith was lacking and who was cursed more, the hospital staff or them. It was a ridiculous conversation, but they didn't want to chance getting caught, and the watchful eyes of those who had called it a miracle were definitely growing more suspicious by the second. They made the decision to take the child home and to take the matter into their own hands. The doctor warned, and I have less luck than we did. You can't possibly have any better luck than we did. You're going to become running back here screaming and crying. Hey, at least take this. He handed them a business card of a priest and said if anything got out of hand, to go and see the priest. As he specialised in that area of things. Having everything at their disposal to cover up their tracks, they were not in the least ever um, worried about being caught, but when they got home and started trying all these different ways to kill it, drowning it, suffocating it, shooting it, hitting it on its head and breaking its little skull, trying to make it freeze to death or overheat to death, giving it poison. Finally they realised this was going to take longer than they thought. And at a loss of what to do next, they decided to finally consult with the priest. The priest had a regimen and he told them that they couldn't miss even one appointment at least two or three times a week, the child was brought to the church to get tortured, and the priest said that eventually it would be enough pain and enough wounding and enough suffer that the child would run out of strength and eventually die. They took the child to the priest many, many times. The priest did many, many different things, even had a probe that would stick all the way into the child and pierce its organs, pierce through its spine and bone, drowning, suffocating, poison. It didn't stop at the church. The parents were towed in between sessions when the child was home, that it was meant to be fed only poison and nothing else, and that any way they could to torment and torture the child, they must do so in between sessions. The child should never get a chance to rest or to recover, because it can't get a chance to regain its strength that it had just lost. 
one day the Richardson was in so much pain. He didn't know what he was doing. All he knew is that he really did not like the priest and he really wanted free of him forever. The Richardson, this particular Richardson, had a lot of magic in him. And they don't all have the same gifts in magic. So each Richardson's magic is definitely specific to the individual, but they all are said to have magic in addition to being a strange looking beast with the physical strength and the look that is different. Within them there is a magic that cannot be seen. And the, with this Richardson, it was no different. Um, his scream had the ability to severely injure and even mortally wound. One day, he gave the priest his pain through his scream. And the priest actually had a heart attack. He staggered to the ground and clutched his chest. And though the priest did survive, physically and mentally, he was never the same. He refused to treat the child any further and told the parents they were on their own. At which point they knew that they had to do this themselves and so that they did. But they were afraid of being heard by the neighbours and so they took the child on a boat out into the midst of the sea for days and days on end. They did this until the child was too old to not be secluded and unnoticed by the public. Once a child gets a certain age there's no hiding it from your neighbours, there's no hiding it from doctors, there's no hiding it from, from anything legal that you have to do and that are just shots and things like that, that are just certain things that people have to see the child. And while, yes, they did have a nice little underground organisation, they didn't have everything that they ever wanted. They didn't have so many people that they had everything under control. They had to be very careful who saw the child and who didn't. And there were going to be times where people set their eyes on the child, which were not part of the cult. Injuries and wounds could not be seen on the outside because it would give them away. They had to find a way to paint the child substantially enough to do just as much damage but it be something that you could not see on the outside so they resorted to poison extra poison a lot lot extra poison in the child's food and water they also noticed that the child gave them a lot of pain and a lot of misery every time they tried to pain it even before it could talk it was wise enough to know that they were hurting it. The mother was home the most, and so the mother got the weakest the quickest. 
but they were both very, very pained. That was another reason for the poison. They thought, if the child does not know that we are the ones to pain it, perhaps it will not hurt us. By now they'd seen enough magic from the Ridge Sun to know that it indeed had a lot of magic. And that its magic alone was capable of killing somebody. But as long as somebody was nice and kind to the Ridge Sun, he never hurt them. And to be honest, he didn't really even know that he was hurting the ones that were being mean to him. All that he knew is that he hurt and he wanted it to stop and he wished that they could feel his pain. But he did not know he was actually giving it to them. For the longest time, he didn't know. And for the longest time, he went thinking he was a human instead of a Richardson. At most he was ever called by his parents was a witch, an evil witch. They tried their best to break his spirit by brainwashing him and tricking him and toying with his mind. But despite all of that, he could never fully be broken. They would test him in strange ways. They would ask him to do something and he'd do it exactly as they'd asked and then they'd turn around and pretend that they'd never asked it of him and they said, Why'd you do that? We never told you to do that. What did you do that for? I never told you to do that. And the Richardson could not resist to fight because he did not deserve this. You're tricking me. You did tell me. You just told me to do that. You just did. No, we didn't. You're a little brat. You, you. And he pointed the finger at the Richardson. This is all your fault. You did that. If you're not going to listen, then we're going to punish you for it. And that's exactly what they did. The punishment was always very, very severe. A lot of the punishments he should have died from. But punishment was not the only way. And hidden poison in the food and water was not the only way either. That they could pain him. About age four... The child was taken to the doctor to get a regular check-up and the doctor said that the child was very healthy and sent the child home. But the parents lied to the child and said, They didn't want to tell you this, but we're going to tell you. We think you deserve to know. They think you're too young to know, but we're going to tell you because we think you deserve to know. The truth is that you're very, very sick and... If you don't do this, you're going to die. you got to get this treatment or you're going to die. But I feel fine, said the Richardson. I don't feel sick at all. Well, you will feel sick if you don't take this. 
If you don't do the treatment, believe me, you will feel very sick and very painful, and you have a very long, painful, suffering death. Do you want that? I didn't think so. So for quite a while, it was a repetitive pattern of taking the Richardson to a very strange building with very strange, um, a very strange room. This room had two big heavy metal doors with two very small windows and the door on the side was a bit thinner than the door on the front. The door on the front was massive and wide and the door on the side was still massive but smaller. The door on the side led to a hallway and that hallway had another door halfway down the centre of it. Um, and that door was always shut. The hallway led straight to a shower. The room itself was filled with tile on the bottom and a lot of um, drains, water drains on the bottom as well. And on the ceiling there was lots and lots of little sprinkler heads. The Richardson was locked into the room and all of a sudden, though he saw nothing, though he heard nothing, all of a sudden it was as if he was breathing in something burnt. It smelled burnt and it actually burnt the insides of his lungs and it felt like it was burning him, like he was on fire from the inside out. It was difficult to breathe and it felt as though he was going to vomit. He was extremely, extremely pained to the point where he just curled up in a little fetal position and hoped it would be over soon. He imagined a little bubble of fresh air that was not poison, that was all right to breathe in. At this time he was not sure it was poison because he was told that it was just quote a treatment. But the Richardson had a very good insight about things and he knew that just, just didn't seem right. Something about it was wrong. How can something make you better if it's making you feel worse, a lot, lot worse, and you didn't even feel bad before and now you feel terrible? By now the Richardson had gotten into the habit and um, what he was supposed to do, he was supposed to, once the sprinklers came on and it rained down in the room, he was meant to wait and sit patiently and then when they stopped the door on the side would open to the hallway that led to the shower and when he got into the shower that was the first real pure clean air that did not have anything that hurt him and that clean air with the warm water running down his back was the best he'd ever felt, the most he'd ever felt at peace in his entire life. He looked forward to it every time. And at the end, after he'd bathed, um, they would always give him a new, a totally new set of clothing. 
and towels and things to dry off in. And he was always asked, Did you wash yourself real good? Are you sure you washed yourself really good? Re I mean really, really good. And he said yes. He was proud that he was doing everything that they asked him to do and that he seemed to be doing it right. But one day, he accidentally did it wrong. One day, one of the staff was extremely distracted and left the side door ajar. He thought, well, that door only opens when I'm meant to walk out of it. It's only been a few minutes that the poison had been set into the room and it was continuing to flow it was not done the sprinklers hadn't even come on yet and he walked out the door and he thought well that is very interesting the door in the hallway is also open that door in the hallway is never open and it the door in the hallway when that was open it let everything open to the rest of the building but he went and stood in the shower and waited for the water to come on, except the water never came on. Why are you out of there? Why did you come here? You, no one told you to do that. No, no one told you to, that you could come and sit. Why are you know better than that? You know a lot better than that. Did anyone tell you to come out of there? No. You know better. He tried to tell them that he thought, legitimately thought he was meant to go, but she wouldn't listen. Later in life it would be a hint to the Richardson. The reason why she was so upset was that the poison was leaching out into literally every part of the building. Because she had not closed the door and he had, he had walked out and released it into the entire building. Later in life he would also come to understand that nobody treats any illness with legitimate poison in a gas chamber, in a legitimate gas chamber. This should have, have killed him the very first time, but it didn't. Eventually he grew very, very weary of the whole experience and said it was only making him feel worse and he always felt fine before he went in and he said I'd rather die and the parents looked at one another and started to, to bicker back and forth it's not working anyway you just have to give it more time as soon as he gets out there he's fine it's not working anyway does this mean that it's not helping me get better? Does this mean I'm going to die anyway? Shut up! Anyone tell you you could speak? We're talking, we're having a conversation. You want to go back there? Do you want to go back there? Because I will take you right, I will turn this car right around and I will take you right back there and we will do it again if you don't shut up. So the Richardson stayed quiet. Like I said, it's not working anyway. He's going to remember soon. He's almost five. We have better ways that work for a lot longer than this. The father turned to the Richardson and said, Your mother and I have made a decision. You know that if you don't do this, you're going to die. 
producer said, Yes, I do. All right, then. We believe that it should be your decision. It's your life, and we believe that that should be your decision. But if you're bad, we're going to take you right back here at the drop of a dime. The Richardson agreed and tried his best not to be bad, but the thing was, the worst thing he could possibly ever do was stand up for himself. And one day, he could not resist to stand up for himself, and they took him right back there. At that point, he pleaded anything, chop off my arm, I didn't care, something else, a different, a, a, a different punishment, please. And at this point, the Richardson was about to turn five. We can't do this much longer anyway. And it's not working. He just don't like it. He, he don't like it, but it's not working. It's not, it's not doing anything. We, we were going to have to stop it, stop it eventually, you know? I mean, that doesn't mean that we can't do it right now. We can, we can still do it right now. Right now, we still have time. They looked at the Richardson, both of them, and said, All right, but we're going to have to give you something else in replace of this. And so they did. And that was the first time the Richardson was grateful. Almost ecstatic. Getting punished with a different kind of pain. At every birthday the Richardson had, they actually did give him presents. And in public, they were very nice to him. They gave him many things to kind of boost their reputation for being, quote, good and loving parents. Nobody ever saw what happened behind closed doors. And at his birthday, they used it as an opportunity to make him further trust them by trying to give him things and trying their best to be nice to him. And it was easier because on his birthday, they gave him a gigantic extra dose of poison. All that he knew is that every birthday he had, he got very, very sick. And they always told him that it just so happened to be on his birthday by coincidence that he would get the stomach flu, but vomiting to the point where you're so weak that you can barely stand, that it takes 30 minutes to walk three feet to get a glass of water, and that you can't eat, you're vomiting so much that, that you can't even take in a breath, and you fear that you don't have enough time to even take in a breath and that you're going to choke on your own vomit, and that's how you're going to die. And it's happening for, you know, feeling like, like that for like one or two weeks instead of one or two days. When the Richardson got older, he believed there's no way that that could have been a little stomach bug. There's just no way. When he got older, they got tired of him staying there in the house with them. And never could they break his spirit fully. Every time they tried to hurt him, they got pained. And so they got the idea, perhaps, that if they gave him his own house, he would stop paining them. 
and he would be oblivious to what they were doing. But the Richardson was smart, and he figured out quickly that the house had its own well. After a few months of drinking, the water in the well changed, and it started to pain him. It was fuzzy to the texture, and it tasted strangely sweet. And every time he drank it, it would feel like he'd burnt his mouth on pizza, but he'd not burnt his mouth on anything. And then about thirty minutes later, he would begin to salivate profusely, uncontrollably, and feel like as if he was about to vomit, and the worst pain in his stomach that he'd ever felt, and he thought, this seems quite similar to my birthday. But is about the time the Richardson wised up to everything he did not know of. He knew his parents hurt him, he knew they hated him with a passion. But on to that point he did not put two and two together. That somebody was poisoning him. And then somebody that his parents did not like died of the same exact symptoms an hour after they had visited that person. They had gone to the person's house, pretended to have a nice drink and a nice laugh and a nice dinner together, and an hour later she was dead from the same exact symptoms he had had every birthday and every time he drank the water. Furthermore, sometimes the air in the house made him feel as if he could not breathe, as if all the oxygen was sucked out of it, and it would give him headaches, and it would make him feel as if he was about to pass out. The Richardson had gotten quite accustomed to acting and, and being human, and to this point he still thought that he was probably a human. So he still did a lot of human things, including raising poultry for farm. It was on the day that the poultry was about to hatch, and as they were hatching out, they were fine. But then suddenly, the air in the house was so thick, not only could he feel as if he was about to pass out, but he could see, he could see a very thin, foggy, white mist in the house. It almost looked as if somebody had burnt something on a stove, and the smoke a very thin layer of smoke through the house, except that there was no smell of smoke. The only smell he smelled was a very faint smell of paint. Richardson then knew that this was poison too. But he didn't know it in time. Sadly, the little weird chicks, most of them died. They died as he took a nap and grew unconscious. And when he woke, he realised what had happened. With his magic, he made all of the poison leave the house forever. And even when they tried to put new in, it would always leave immediately. And it would fly and fly and fly as far as it had to through the wind until it finally got to the people who gave him the poison in the beginning. By now, he'd realised that any time somebody tried to hurt him, they got that pain. And by now, he'd realised it was him doing this. And by now, he had gotten control over it.
not only could he make the pain evade something else along the path to get to where it needed to go. It was an arrow that d didn't even fly straight. It flew as if it had its own mind. And it could evade anything that was not meant to receive that pain. He saw his family grow weaker, and he saw his family with all the pain that he had from when they gave it to his food and water, and in the well, and in the air, all the pain that he'd ever felt. And the good thing about this is that his intent could make it exactly as he wanted. To die at the first bout of pain would have been too easy. It would not have been enough suffer. They deserved to suffer as long as he did. To have the pain of dying without actually dying, over and over and over again. And for the rest of their lives, that's what happened. It would take them decades to die, many decades, to finally die from what he'd done. He also knew that he could never tell them. He could never tell them what he knew, because if he did, he'd lose all the leverage he had. They still thought they were controlling him, and he actually acted a lot weaker and a lot sicker than he felt, just to make sure that he supported their arrogance and their confidence. Though the Richardson had lived quite a while eating what humans eat, and acting as a human, it deprived him nutritionally very much. He was lucky, very lucky, that the smallest piece of his soul actually did have some human in it. Human was the smallest, though. Wolf was the largest, and the second largest was the dragon, and the third was the goat. His true form was not anything at all like a human. His true form was a wolf with dragon wings and goat horns. This, of course, would only lead him to be further mistaken as something he was not. In all reality, he was still just a Richardson. Throughout life, though not many had been kind to him, the ones that had, he knew deserved his protection, and by now he knew what he had to do. Not only if he didn't feed on what he was meant to feed on, would he eventually grow weak. It was barely enough to sustain him. But more importantly, as a human, his magic alone was not enough. He could only hunt a few here and there. At most he could do is feed off of their strength. But their blood, their flesh, he could not not as a human, and he could not possibly protect against as many as he needed. His magic had its limits. A small handful was all he could do with his magic, but in his true form he could fend off hundreds. He knew he was meant to protect the forest and everything in it, and he knew he could not do that as a human. He knew if he did not shapeshift back into his true form. Many innocent would die. 
Richardson are only born in the time they're needed most, and they're only placed in the place they're needed most. That means that it's very unlikely that if he did not protect them, somebody else would come along and protect them instead. As dark as his heart was, as angry as he was, he cared immensely for the innocent and could not bear to see them suffer. Could not bear to see them in pain, could not bear to see them getting something they did not deserve. It killed him on the inside because it went against his nature just to sit there and watch and he couldn't. There had not been a time ever where he was able to just sit there and watch. But he knew he was still weak and that he needed to heal. And it took him many, many years to heal completely from all that had happened. From all the countless years that he had been pained by his family. One night though, he'd finally, finally mended every last little bit that he needed to be strong enough to shift back into his true form. And on that night he went out into the forest, never again to return to his home. The forest became his home. And it is said, had you ever walk into his forest? If you are innocent, he will spare you. But if you have done wrong, if you are evil, if you have a bad heart, if you are of ill intent, he will quickly find you, and he will kill you and eat you. You will go missing, and your death will remain a mystery. As he retreats to his den with a full belly, it is said to this day that Richardson still walks the same forests, and it is like a magnet, as all Richardsons are, to evil things, most often the not. He does not have to go searching for his dinner, for dinner comes to him, his fur black as night, blending in under the cover of darkness, and you will never see him coming until it's too late.